How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Luke, um, Luke chapter 9 is where we will be this morning. Luke chapter 9 is where we will be. Um, so as you're turning there, I'm going to get a little ready up here. Put this guy right there. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, happy Father's Day. Okay, three of us are happy with that. Okay, good. We'll take that. I might drink it and it'll... Um, awesome, well, good, good, good. No, we, we are excited to be able to celebrate um, this morning uh, just all that, that Jesus has done and all that he's accomplished. And um, man, I am, I am ready to go. So we're finishing up a, a, just kind of a little series here. It's kind of a two-week series uh, focused around this thought of being all in, what, what that means, what that looks like. I know the tendency sometimes around summer is to kind of check out. Um, we've worked hard. We get to summer. We get vacations. We get things like that. And, I, and I'm not saying don't take vacation. I mean, I'm taking vacation. Take vacation. Enjoy vacation. Be gone. Enjoy that. I'm just saying don't check out of following Jesus. Don't stop pursuing. Don't push pause. Don't, don't, don't quit for a bit. And so um, that, that's kind of the, the driving force behind what I want to share. What I shared with you last week, and then I want to share with you uh, this week. And so, uh, no special Father's Day, no gimmicky uh, messages, nothing like that. Just, just God's word. I want to put before you, and I'm just praying and asking God, begging the Holy Spirit to work in a way that'll shape us and form us all the more into the image of uh, of Jesus. Because I believe with everything in me, if you want to be a better dad, fall more in love with Jesus and follow Him. You want to be a better mom, fall more in love with Jesus and follow Him. You want to be a better child, fall in love with Jesus and follow Him. And He will work and He will do and He will shape and He will mold all the more you into who you need to be. And so that, that's, the, that's the prayer here. Um, and so just submit to, to God's Word and, and obey Him. And I mean, He can do a mighty, mighty work in you and through you. And so uh, that's my happy Father's Day spiel there. All right, awesome. Let's... Um, Let's do this. I'm just going to right out of the gate, just going to kind of share with you where we'll be this morning, what we're going to look at. And so, so my hope, this is what I want to accomplish, this is what I'm to work and do in us this morning, is just to show you the worth of going all in with Jesus. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at what it means to go all in. So right up front, I'm going to show you the value and the worth. Why, why, the why. And then after that, what it looks like and what it means uh, to walk that out and to do that. So I'm going to ask you, join me as we pray, and then we'll... Um, uh, we'll jump in this morning here at Luke 9. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you again for the opportunity to gather in this place, to be in this place. Uh, Father, to worship you and lift high you and make much of you. And so, Jesus, I just pray as we look at your word, as we dive in, Father, that you would, you would do a work in this place in us. Father, that your Holy Spirit would convict and draw. And God, that you would do everything that you've promised through your word to do. And so, Lord, we just, we just want to hear from you this morning. We want to be obedient. We want to follow you. And, God, I'm just praying for life change. God, whether that's crossing from death to life and salvation in you, or, Father, that's, that's conviction and us, us coming to, to a place of where we repent over sin, or, Father, if it's uh, encouragement, whatever it is that you need to do in this place this morning, Father, I just want you to know that, that I pray you have freedom to do whatever you see fit. Glory for your honor. And then we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I think one of the things we need to do up front is this, is we need to look at value. What, what is value? Because value is how we determine if something should be sought after, right? It, what kind of value is in that? It, it helps us evaluate if we should try to obtain uh, the object because it's, it's valuable. 
boy, it's worth something. And as a result of that, now we need to pursue, we need to do what we need to do uh, to get that, to obtain that. And so value is something that's very, very important. And so the, the of, of worth and value is just simply this. It's the regard that something is held to deserve. The, the regard that something's held to reserve. Uh, and it's the importance or worth or usefulness of that something. And so through evaluation, we decide if we're willing to pay the cost. So there's certain things in life that's just not worth the value of what it says it is. There's certain things in uh, life that, that that value just hold it just isn't uh, feasible it just doesn't make a uh, it just doesn't make sense to pursue or to go after and so uh, what I want to implore to you this morning is what we're going to talk about I believe has immense value it has the greatest of all values that we'll ever know and so through evaluation we decide if we're willing to pay the cost we do this every day all the time, don't we? We do this every day all the time in everything that we do. When things are put before us, we determine the value and the worth of it. And is it, uh, is it feasible to go after that? Is it feasible to try to obtain that? Is it, is it feasible to give up something in order to have that something that we are evaluating? And so the reality is this, week in and week out, I ask you uh, in different ways to assess the value of a relationship with Jesus. To look at and see if that value, if it's worth it. Is it worth having a relationship with Jesus? To, to seek inside, to ask yourself that question of do I or don't I? And then the why. Why do I or why don't I? Have I come to that place where I see the worth and value of going all in with Jesus? Of abandoning everything that I am in total surrender to relationship with that of Christ. And so what we're going to see this morning in Luke 9, 24 is Jesus show us the value of that relationship. Jesus is going to show us from the very get-go right here, Luke 9, 24. Look, look at what his word says. He says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Verse 25 says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Some translations would say it like this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So, so what Jesus is saying right here in Luke 29, 24, and 25 is this, is to live a life that is for oneself and thus gaining the whole world is to lose your life. If you go after the world, gain the world, value the world as that of, of utmost importance, and that's your desire, and that's your longing, and that's your want more than anything else, then that's a life that's lost. But what he says here too is to lose your life for the sake of Christ. That is a life that will be saved. So to look at who Jesus is, what he has promised, what he has accomplished, what he has done, and to abandon who you are and to have him as your everything, as your treasure, that is a life that is found. That is a life that is saved. That is a life that is to be ran after and lived. So to gain the whole world is to lose your life. So to live life your way, be the God of your own life, chase after your desires, your wants, your longings, live in that form, that fashion, is to have a life that is lost, saying that I value here, now, the moment stuff more than I value Christ and Christ alone. And so Jesus also says to love the world is to hate him. That's what we see in the scriptures. He, he says that to, to love the world is to hate him because he is contrary to the world, is he not? He's opposite of the world. He is not of the world. And, and the world, in essence, hate Jesus because Jesus is not the world. He 
different than the world. He's greater than the world. He is, he is so high above the world. And so what we're talking about here is eternal ramifications. That's what's at stake. Eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And I just believe this is hard for us to kind of grasp in the moment. It's hard for us to grasp this thought of, of eternity, is it not? I mean, we're so focused on the here and now. We're so focused in the moment. We are so focused in uh, uh, the shiny, the glitz, the glamour, the, uh, the, uh, that one, like that five seconds of like social media fame and my family gets it all together and they act a certain way and we snap that picture and we throw it. That, that one little moment is what we live for so hard and so fast is the moment and we forget, we forget that there's eternity at stake. We, we also live in a world that forgets about consequences. Do we not? I mean, I mean, consequences is something that's kind of just been pushed to the side. That, that, that you really don't need to think about that. You really just need to go for what makes your heart happy in the moment. You really just need to, to run after whatever you decide, whatever you think, whatever you long for. I mean, that, that's shoved down our throat every day, is it not? And we forget that there's consequences. Our world wants nothing more than for us to chase after it, to long for it, to obtain whatever it says uh, the standard is or the goal is or what life should be about. And, and in essence, what the world is wanting us to do is to, is to turn to, to universalism. Wanting us to be universalists. Wanting, uh, wanting us to, to, to just think and be that way. Forget about consequences. Forget about eternity. Uh, let, let's, let's focus not on that, but here and now. And, 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 if, and if God is who he says he is, there's no way that he would do something horrible to you at the end. There's no way that you would be held responsible for anything. I mean, is that not what universalism says? It says this, it's the belief that everyone will be saved. Everyone will be rescued. Everyone will be redeemed. Everyone will make it. And what's happening is uh, universalism is just the overemphasis on the love and the compassion of God. It's the neglect of the righteousness and justice of God. And it leads some to believe that God will have mercy on every living so, now, now hear me, that sounds great, that sounds awesome, that sounds something that, that, would, that like it would draw a crowd, it would help us fill up a building, hey, you just live your life, you just do what you do, man, just be, it's all about you being happy and enjoying yourself, is it too hot, let me turn it down, music too loud, I'll crank it down a little bit, is it too low, let me turn it up a little bit, more acoustic, less, what do you need, it's all about you, what, whatever makes you, you need that, go get that, go, you don't have to, whatever, that's kind of the thought of our world, and that's the thought of universalism, is it not? You just do whatever you got to do, live your life, try to be as nice and good and kind as you can, but just know in the end everything will be okay, and you'll make it, and it'll be fine. I mean, and, and, and again, I mean, that sounds, that sounds like something appealing and something nice, if it were not for the God of the universe, if it were not for his word and what he has said and what he has told us through his word, and he's left us the standard, has he not? He has laid it out for us, what it looks like, what it means. And the problem is, is that we elevate ourselves to a position in a place that, that we can't handle, that we were never meant to be in. I, I don't know about you, but, but for me, whenever um, something that I love is sacrificed or something that I love is violated. I don't know what it does for you, but I know what it does for me internally. That, that struggle of wrath and justice starts to, to rise to the top. And the thing that we've got to understand is that God's no different. When, when what's loved 
what, what, is, what is valued the most for him, whenever, whenever that's sacrificed, taken advantage of, God responds. And hear me, we don't have some uh, uh, fairy tale little uh, Tinkerbell type God sitting up there just sprinkling love dust on everything. Uh, we don't. No, no, we have a holy God. And what we rob God of, of his holiness and his justice and his righteousness, when we make God something that he's never intended to be or he's never said that he was. Absolutely God's love. But as much as God is love, he's also justice, holiness, wrath. That's who our God is. And so the scriptures, they, they teach that some will spend eternity in hell separated from God receiving the wage for their sin. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what God has said the reality is. That's what happens to someone who is an enemy of his, who has never put their faith and trust in him, who continues to look to self to save life, to live life to the fullest as they can here and now, instead of turning to a relationship with that of Jesus. Matthew 25, 46 says this. It says, this is Jesus speaking. Then they, the they here are the unsaved, will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus who's Jesus is God in the flesh. So the heart of God is this, is for those who are unsaved, those who are enemies, those who continue to rebel in their sin, will spend an eternity separated from God in a literal, real place called hell. So, so, so I know the thought here is like, so you're, you're telling me you believe in, I believe in hell more than I believe in the men and women sitting in this room. Well, because God's Word says it, and I, I believe what God's Word has said. I, I believe the standard that God has set is, is far greater than anything that we could ever imagine, and, and what He says He means. But what I love about the reality of the gospel is this, that's what happens to those who, are, who, are, who die in their sin, but this is what happens to those who die in Him, eternity with Him. So the soul of man and eternal condemnation is what's at stake. That's what's at stake. And if you ask me, that's something that had better get our full attention. If the creator of the universe has said it, this is how it is. This is where I'm at. This is how I govern and land, love, discipline. Then that's going to get my full attention. That's what's at stake this morning. And if you ask me, I believe whatever it costs, it's well worth it. Whatever it costs is well worth it. I know we've been desensitized, and I know we've been uh, uh, kind of had things uh, waved in front of us to kind of take our attention off. But the thing we have to remember is that we live forever. Not here, but we live forever. So Luke 9.23, Luke 9.23, Let, let's, let's look here and let's walk through this. That's what's at stake. That's the value of what, uh, what being all in means, what being sold out for having a relationship with Jesus. That's what's at stake. That's the value of it. Eternity, eternity. Uh, don't forget eternity. That's what's there. Luke 9.23 says this, Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me. And so this is not a light statement that Jesus uses here. If anyone desires, we all have a lot of desires, don't we? A lot of desires in our life, a lot of wants and longings. And he says, if one of those, if the main one of those is to come after him, then this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to mean. And as I said last week, I'm going to say it this week, because it seems as Jesus starts to lay out what those costs are, what they 
means, what that looks like. It's almost as if uh, uh, Jesus is, is kind of raising the bar a bit. He's putting it at a place that, 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 would, that seems kind of a little bit uh, unfriendly, a little bit, um, uh, it definitely would not fit into our world and our day to day, not into our culture, our, our society. It just seems, oh man, you need to bring it down, you need to chill out a little bit. I, I don't know, if, like, if, if, like, looking at what he says here, what almost appears if Jesus has forgotten what he's here for. I, I mean, you would think you would want as many followers as you can get. And, and so if that means kind of lowering the bar a little bit, setting expectations down a little bit, then, then you would do whatever you have to do, and let's, let's get as many as we can, and then we can kind of start to, uh, start to kind of redirect and re-navigate. But that's not what we see in Jesus. We see Jesus right from the very start and the outset set the bar where it needs to be. And so it's not as if he's interested in creating a popular club. Instead, he has high requirements that go after the heart and the motives. And let's look at what those are. He says to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And the hardest thing to do in this life is to tell me no. Because I like me an awful lot. To be happy, I like to enjoy to have what I can have. I like to, if I want something, I want to get it, and I, I, I want that. But what Jesus says is right from the outset, hey, hey deny yourself. You've got a desire to come after him, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to say, you've got to be willing to say no to yourself. It's not about you, and it's not about your wants. He's saying that's the very start of what, this, what comes from this desire, saying no to self, no to the world. So that you can say yes to him. Not about you, not about you, not about you. That's what Jesus is reminding those here in this moment who say they have a desire to come after him. It's never going to be about you. So, follower of Jesus this morning in this room, he'll never ask your opinion, he'll never ask you what your desire is, he'll never ask you what makes you happy. Instead, he's going to do a work in you so great that's going to get you to the place of where you can have eternal joy. It's not about the momentary here and now, but the eternal there and then. And so we gather in this room this morning to make much of Christ, not us. That's why we're here. We're here for him, not for me, not for us, not for you. We're here for Jesus. Why? Because we've denied ourselves. We gather in this room because we acknowledge we need him. We that he's the greatest thing. We acknowledge that, that there's nothing outside of him. We have denied ourselves because I can tell you right now, there are a million other things that I could do at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. How about you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there are a million other things that I could do. I mean, sleeping in. If I didn't have kids in the house at that time, then maybe I could sleep in. But I mean, I mean, there's a ton of different things that we could be doing right now at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And so, we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves. We deny ourselves. That's what we're called to do. It's all about him. What can we do to make much of Jesus? See, see we don't sit around and try to think of ways to attract. That, that's, that's not what we do. I mean, it would be easy to get a crowd, would it not? I mean, we could tickle some ears. We could tell you how we could give you some free stuff. There, there's, a, there's a million different things that we could do. But we're not interested in that. I'm not interested about manipulating or coaxing or kind of getting into that rat race of church. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the slow, steady discipleship model. Uh, that, that, that difficulty of us learning to deny ourselves. Uh, us learning how to walk out this verse, live out this verse on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Or we die to self, die to self, die to self. Not about me. Not about me. Jesus, what do you want? Jesus, how can I? I am owned by you. I'm property of yours. You have purchased and you have redeemed me. I belong to you. That's the life that is all in. That's the life that is lived all in. And so we, we believe wholeheartedly on the slow and steady discipleship model. See, I'm much, much more interested in doing a great work in your heart and us being radically, radically changed after God confronting us, telling us the truth. And in that, he still invites us in to be a part of the family. Still invites us in to be a part of the family. I want you to walk away from this place closer to Jesus than you've ever been. And the way that we do that is opening up the word and telling you the truth about what God said. I want you to walk away from this place being more obedient to him than you've ever been. Denying yourself more than you've ever denied yourself. I want you to walk away from this place falling more and more and more in love with Jesus than you've ever been. We're not interested in the show. We're interested in the glory of our God. And in that, my prayer is that through that, you make a difference in this world. For the cause of the cross. And I also want us to kind of create some havoc in the world. I mean, I mean the world's crazy enough, is it not? Uh, the world's got enough havoc, and, 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 and it's, just, just, it's just out there, is it not? I, I want us to join in, but in a different way, for the glory and honor of Christ. That's, that's what I want us to do. I want us to get engaged in the fight and, and participate, to be active participants in this world of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, of living out and being the hands and feet of Christ. I, I mean, what does that do in the world when we deny ourselves? Whatever, there's something I really, really want to do, but you know what? Jesus just won't let me do it. Why? Because he's, he set a higher standard for me to live by. I mean, there's, there's a way I want to act and a way that I want to be, but I can't be and act that way. Why? Because I've denied myself. It's not about me. If that means I get kicked around, if that means I get pushed over, if that means whatever the case, I want to be obedient to Jesus. Why? Because I've denied self. It's not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about my comforts. It's not about my desires. Why? Because my desire has now become Christ's desire. And what is his desire is to make much of him, to make much of God. And so, church, I want us to get involved in the world. I want us to, to create havoc and to be engaged. And I want us to, I want us to live that. It, it makes me think of this, this scripture in Acts 19. Hold your place for a second. It'll be on the screen. But Acts 19, starting in verse 11. Just listen to this story in the book of Acts. You've got the apostle Paul here. And this, this is what's happening in Acts 19, 11. And this is my prayer for us. This is what I talk about when I say create havoc in the world. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. I mean, Paul's handkerchief was healing people, y'all. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, his snot rag was fleeing demons. You know what I mean? Like, like wipe the sweat of his brow. People were just being healed from disease. I mean, God was on him working and doing Look at verse 13. Then some of the uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists uh, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So catch what's happening here. You've got this group of, of, of Jewish exorcists, and they see what Paul's doing. They're like, hey, we, we want to get in on that. How can we do that? We're, we're in. So, so they decide to kind of go into the, uh, 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 let's, let's uh, exercise the demon business. And so they, they join in, and they're trying to do this, and, and they do the same thing. I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. I mean, I mean, they didn't even take ownership in who Jesus was. But Paul's Jesus. That's who we're, we're telling you to, to, to be gone. And so verse 14 says that the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. This is who's doing it, the seven sons of Sceva. 
And, and then look at what happens in verse 15. Like, like okay, I guess so this may be, this is our um, father's message. Like, like, this is our, like, UFC moment. Like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get some action here, church. Like, watch this. Verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them. All right, hold up. Okay. They playing, and in their playing, now the evil spirit answers. The evil response to them. I don't know where you're at, but if I'm pretending something in this moment, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go find that Paul dude. I'm going to bring him over here for a minute. Like this is now just, it's, it's not a fake it till you make it moment. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like it's about to get real. So the evil spirit answers in verse 15. Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Say what? I would have probably huddled up the other six and be like, all right, boys, hey. Jesus, he's aware of. Paul, he knows. He ain't ever heard of us. I don't see this thing ending well for us. Maybe we should just like push pause. We'll be back in a few days. No, they, they continue. They continue. So, so the evil spirit responds. The demon responds that way. Verse 16. And the man in whom uh, was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, I'm not a big fighter. I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. Um, I haven't been in, too, in many fights in my life. I've, I've watched some UFC stuff here and there. I'm not a big, like I said, not a big UFC guy or boxing or wrestling or any of that type of stuff. I'm from West Virginia. We wrestle up there, not wrestle, wrestle. Um, I'm just not big into that stuff. I mean, I just don't. But um, what I do know, I've seen enough fights to know that if you enter the ring with underwear on and you leave without underwear, you've got worked. You know what I mean? If I come in with my clothes on and I leave with them off and it wasn't my doing, I've lost. There's no other way to slice this, to look at this. They leave, they were mastered, and they leave naked and wounded. Verse 17, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both to the Jews and to the Greeks, and fear upon them, all of them, and the name of the Lord was extolled. That's crazy. We're going to take on these demons, exercise the demons, we're going to engage these demons. The, the, the demon responds. The demon works them over so much so that, that, that they leave naked and, and wounded. And then God just does a work there. He's extolled all the more. He's extolled all... I, my desire, my prayer, my hope for us when I talk about like creating havoc in the world is that when we leave here in a few minutes... Satan and the demons are like, oh, crud, they've just dismissed. We would much rather their service to go a lot longer because when they're all contained here, they're not out there creating havoc for the darkness of the world. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm wanting. That, that's what I'm desiring. And, and look, look, at, look at even more so what, what takes place. Verse 18. Also, many of those who are now believers, so as a result of this, a move of God as a result of some of the stuff that was happening here in this day, as a result of that, many of those who are now believers, they come confessing and divulging Jesus. I ain't never been a part of a church service like that. Where God has moved so great, so mighty, that, that whoever is struggling with whatever comes and says, look, I've done this this week. God, I am sorry. I don't care what people think. Uh, God, help me. Rescue me. Save me. Redeem me. It doesn't matter what your opinion is because the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. 
I mean, I, I, that we would get so real and be so like that that who cares? I mean, he was so real in this moment. God had done such a work in their, in their heart and in their life that they come confessing and divulging their practices. Look at verse 19. It says, And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, that they counted the value of them and found that it came out to be 50,000 pieces of silver. God had worked so much, convicted and done such a work in their life, and I just need to tell you what I'm struggling with, what God saved me from, what he's rescued me from. Oh, by the way, I've got this like little book of, of hoodoo stuff. There it goes. Like, I'm, I'm, I, w- I want to get rid of the very thing that draws me away from him. They're that serious about walking with Christ. They give up whatever it is. So much so that it can't count thousand pieces of That's a lot of money, y'all. That's what that means. That's how serious they got. Verse 20 says, So that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. That's what I'm praying. That's what I mean by havoc. And the only way that we can reach that, the only way that we can be that is if we deny ourselves. If, if, we deny, if we're a serious follower of Jesus, we're going to deny ourselves. It's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about my wants, my desires, my longings, my likes. My de- it's going to be about Jesus and what he wants. So much so that people will take notice and see, and God will rescue and redeem through that. God will do such a work through that 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 they'll confess, that they'll say, that they'll divulge, they'll get rid of the very things that draw them away from Jesus. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about creating havoc in the world. That that when we enter a place, the demons shudder. The the demons are scared to death. Dang it, they're at Walmart again. Now, I thought I had them at Walmart because, like, there's only two cash registers open. The, The check yourself out thing hardly ever really works good. I mean, they're 50th in line right now. It's hot. The AC's not working. I thought I had them today. And you're in line converting everybody in line. Tell them about Jesus. Being a joy in Walmart. Who does that? We should. Or at your work next week. I mean, that, that, that you are just a crazy optimist that just loves everybody, that just gives away whatever, that just serves. How, something needs to be done. Like you're the first one to sign up. And like you don't even get an incentive. Like there's no bonus in that. Like, like you don't even get a pat on the rear end in like a, a, a special parking place. You just, you just do it. Why? Because you just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And you know, the, the more you serve and give away, the more you can put the spotlight on him. That's what I'm talking Stuff like that is what I'm talking about. And hear me, church, we will never, ever get to that place if we don't get the desires off of us. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to go all in, You've got to empty yourself of you. Why? So you can be filled with him. You've got to empty yourself of your desires, your wants, your longings. Why? So that you can be filled with his desires, his wants, and his longing. And his desire and his wants is what? Is to make much of Jesus. To make much about the person of Christ. Not preferences, not styles, not comforts, not desires. Hear me. God will take his hand off of us and let us have it our way. And we will die and fade out if we, if we, if we get to this place and live this way. You don't believe me? Look around. Look, look. There's way too much of that kind of thinking in the church in America today. Let, let, let me, let me, let me try to, let me try to prove it to you. Let, let's just look at this for a second. The state of the church today. See, see, the median worship attendance back in 2000 was 137. Median worship attendance in two. And see, I know we all kind of like, like tend to lean toward that mega church mentality and thought. I know there has to be more. But if you look at all the churches in America, the average attendance, even with the megas. The average attendance, worship service, 
was 137. Look at what happens in 2010. It goes from 137 to 105. 2020, this is pre-pandemic. This is before the pandemic. From 105 and 210 to 220, 65. Post-pandemic, look at where we're at, 55. Average worship attendance, 55. See, the median, the average worship attendance has declined by 60% over the last two decades. Church, what does that tell us? What, what does that tell us? One, we're not having the impact we need to have in the world like God's called us to. We're not being light in a dark place. Light will attract. Light will draw in. Light, light will open up doors for conversation. Light, light will reveal. Light will do a great, great work. And I'm not saying, bring people to that's fine, but, but you should be meeting people in your community and in your workplace and in your spheres of life. That's what we should be doing. We should be having conversation there. And as a result of our crazy, weird lifestyles of following Jesus, it's going to draw people. They're going to ask us, why do you think that way? Why do you live that way? Why do you do that? You mean to tell me you, what, why? Because I've denied myself. It's not about me. So that's the state of the church. Look at this. The occupancy rate of worship centers was 33% before the quarantine. Today, it's 28%. The, the church house on Sunday morning was 33% of the way full. Now, it's only 28%. These big buildings that we have built are going to soon be ruins if we don't do something. If we don't get the focus off of us and put it where it needs to be. This is staggering little thing here the median year of church founding was 1950 that's before the quarantine guess what that's not changed that's not changed what that means is simply this is that there's not enough churches started to move the median founding date significantly in all of these years that the, that the starting date, when it's looked at, there, there's not been enough uh, uh, new churches planted or churches revitalized. None of that stuff has taken place or happened. And so the founding, uh, the founding median year there is 1950. We're not even keeping up with the lost rate out there, church. That's what that's saying. Why? I believe it's because we won't deny ourselves. We can't get over us. And if we can't get over us, Jesus will use us. Well, because he says right here, it's not about you, it's not about you. Deny, 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 deny. So hear me. The message will never change. We've got the message. We've got, and the message is just as relevant today as it was back then. The message is, that was a good place for an amen. The message is just as relevant today as it was last, back then. Okay, that's better. We're getting there. Talk to me. Help me, man. I need, help me. The message was just as relevant and needed today as it was back then. Same message, never change. Jesus, him, him crucified, that's it. Love, grace, mercy, the cross, death, burial, resurrection. Same message. The problem is because of self and us, the methods don't change. Message will never change, methods have to. If we were still the church of 1950, who are we going to have in here? 1950ers? I don't even know what that means, but you know what I'm saying, like people in that era. And what does that mean? We're saying to hell with the rest of the world. That's, that's what we're saying. We, we don't care. Uh, yeah, the message is great and it's good and Jesus is all that, but, but we're not willing to do whatever we have to do to reach people. Do you know one of the greatest days of my life here as the pastor of this church is when we said yes to, to opening up a, a, an after-school ministry? 
Do you know what that's led to this summer? That's led to 60 kids being here week in and week in out, hearing the gospel and being loved on for Jesus. Do you know what that's done to the Sunday morning gathering for us? The amount of people who've gathered here now as a result of that ministry? But do you know what else that's cost us? Have you seen the walls dinged up? I, I, was ta- I was talking to somebody, I was talking to you this morning, and you were talking about, I mean, I could tell you had VBS here this week. You know how I knew? Because I walked across that floor, and it was like, rit, rit, rit. That is a great problem to have, church. You're dang right there's a cost in having kids here. If you've never had a kid, I'll let you borrow mine for a weekend. I got three. You get three blessings for all weekend. We won't ask for them back till Sunday night. We'll start even Thursday if you want to. It's summer. And you look at the mess that they make. My gosh. Uh, we, we, we decided not to put a hard roof in our house for a reason. We got boys. They're going to destroy it. They're going to tear it up. Kids around make messes and they destroy things. That's what they do. You did it. I did it. They do it. They're going to continue to do it. Praise God that we got them to do it. There's a cost in having kids. And we'll never not want kids. That's horrible English. So you hear me? Look at me. Y'all are welcome and loved and valued. And we want you here making messes and being crazy because we want you to see that we love you and that Jesus is worth it and he's valuable. And we don't care the cost. You hear me? And the day that we start to care about the cost of having kids here, you need to find a church. You tell your mom and dad that, okay? You need to go somewhere else. Sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm just, I'm preaching now. That's what's happening. I'm preaching. So, so we've got to get over, that's what Jesus is saying. We've got to get over us. We've got to get over us. We've got to get over us. We've got to deny ourselves. Because hear me, look at these statistics. Look at this. Revitalizing churches as well as planting life-giving churches are necessary to reach those who are far from Christ. That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to reach the world, to, to reproduce what God's done in here. So the first thing, deny ourselves. I, I'm, I'm really close to ending here. Next thing, take up your cross. Again, this is, just, this is just hammering the same thing that he just says. See, cross is a violent, degrading death. That's what Jesus is saying. You've you got a desire to come after me. You've got to deny yourself. It's not about you, not about you, not about you. So much so that you die willingly on the cross, violently on that cross, total surrender, dedicated to him and him alone. Just hammering home that reality, it's not about us. And then he puts this little word there at the end. Deny yourself, take up your cross. How often? Daily, he says. Daily. It's that thought of having that funeral every day for self. And what I've learned is this, is death is never pretty. I like to live. Y'all, anybody else with me? Like, I like to live. I like to live for me. I like to live for my wants, my desires, my longings. And what Jesus says is, no, no, no. Remember, you've denied yourself. You've taken up your cross. You've died to self. Not that one time. Yeah, that one time. But, but every single time you die to self. See, we fight to live, not to die. It needs to be reversed. We need to fight to die so that we can live. That's what we need to do. And then this is what he says in verse 23 at the end. He says, and now follow me. Do it. Not about you, not about you, not about you. Now you recognize and know and understand that. Now come on. Now you can be a part. Now what you do is you do what I do. Let's up and let's go. You go where I would go. You live like I would live. You talk like I would talk. You act like I would act. You put into practice what I've said, what I've shown you. And so as followers, as disciples, as Christians, Jesus must dictate every area of our life. Not about me. Not about me. See, so often we'll follow if it's convenient, if it's easy, if it makes me happy, if it benefits me, if it doesn't take up too much of my time, if it doesn't cost too much. And so here's where I want to hit us for just a second. 
is this. What has it cost you to be a follower of Jesus? What does it cost you to be a follower of Jesus? What does that look like and what does that mean? What has it cost you this past week? What about this past month? What about this past year? Because what I know is if it doesn't cost you much, it's not worth, worth much. You know what I'm saying? That thing that's nice, new, and shiny, and expensive, what do you do? You guard and you protect it, don't you? But that thing that's not worth very much, it doesn't carry much value, uh, if it gets dinged up or banged around, it doesn't really matter. But the thing that is valuable to you costs you immensely. You're willing to do whatever it takes. So what does it cost you to be a follower of Jesus? This week, for some, there was a lock-in night for our youth. So we have youth in the building Friday night, and they hang out all night. And what that usually means is you, you hype them up on sugar, and you turn them loose in a gym. And you tell them to bring a sleeping bag and a pillow, and you pray to God that they hit that crash. Or you slip some melatonin in their uh, water. I'm just joking. We don't do that. You better not do that. Um, or get them to sign the permission slip first. Um, and you pray to God that they just they crash and they fall over and you get like a minute of sleep. So we had a youth lock-in this past week where they were up all night running around having a great time, which turned into the next day we had a, a community cleanup day where we went to a home of someone who goes here who had been hit by uh, the tornado that come through about uh, three, five weeks ago. And laid, I mean, massive trees, laid them over in the, everywhere. And, and so some of us gathered and we went and we cut up trees we carried it to the burn pile, and uh, we prayed that the heat wouldn't be too bad and that we wouldn't fall over. And then the bobcat came, and oh, hallelujah for bobcats. And it would take those trees, and it would move them, and it would burn them, and we got to help and serve, uh, serve in that capacity. I mean, nobody wants to get up Saturday morning and go serve. I mean, it's not even at your house. You, you benefit nothing from it other than being part of the body, getting to serve and love and care for a community. So we got to go do that. Uh, we just announced in the bulletin, church cleanup crew. Uh, the, the lady that cleaned our church stepped away months ago, and there's been a family that's kind of overseen that, that, that says, hey, we, we, we want to invite more people in to be a part. I mean, what a privilege to clean the house of God, huh? It's not a burden. It's not anything crazy. We're at. We're, I mean, just, just to pick up a bit, to do something, up a little bit. And if you have time, that's great. If you can, that's awesome. If you can, we get it. I mean, we're inviting you in to participate and to, to serve and to give your life away. Uh, what about this? I, I want to show you a video. Check, check this video out because this, like, like, like this past week is like always one of those weeks that you kind of like circle on your calendar and like we're excited for it next year and then as it gets closer, you're like, oh, we've done it again. It's called VBS Week. Check it out.
I mean, so a whole week dedicated, again, to loving kids and to sharing Jesus with them, VBS, this past week. I mean, Sunday through Thursday. In some way before that, there was a cost in it. But it, but it was worth it. Why? Because kids, people got to hear the gospel. People got to have community. People got to have love. And through that, we get to serve our community. And one of the ways we've done it is by food, and we took up an offering. And in that offering, the way we kind of do it is boys versus girls. And in that, like, there's always this competition. Somebody's going to take a pie here in a minute, and it's going to be awesome, and you're going to get a witness that and cheer for that. Yeah. But in that, what are we doing? We're teaching, we're teaching kids, man. You bring money, why? So we can give it away and help serve. We, and we can make it fun. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And so, man, you should see those faces cheering for Esther not to have to take a pie and the children's director too. So there's a cost in it. And so since there's cost, I think that cost needs to be paid in full right now. What do you think? I think, yeah! yeah. Um, so, uh, so this is Hannah, our children's director. And I mean, it, it's only, Right, to follow through with and do what we said we were going to do. And who won, Hannah? Yeah, you can sit and take it. That's it. It feels better that way, I hear. Um, <laughs> you would have thought you'd have been prepared for this. You know, it's coming for six days. Oh, I've even, I, I'll be, be nice, and I even got you a, one of these things. <laughs> I got you a trash bag. Um, huh? This is a, a protector of the... Fine clothing you're wearing. Okay, all right. There you go. There we go, all right. Oh, and um, yeah, just because I'm, I care about the facility, right? So we're going to put this down for a minute here like this and kind of put this down for a minute. Put you right there like this and, and go like that. And then it's going to be all, have a seat. You know, that's me kind and caring and always giving back to. Um, and so, so the deal was, whoever brought in the most, girls or boys, uh, the other one would have to take a pie. So since my guys came through, um, by, 30, by 30, but 30 or 300 or 3,000 or 3 million, 30 is 30, and that's a win, right, Summer? Uh, anybody got twenty-one dollars up there? <laughs> Hold on. I, um, I brought you a shirt to have, but now it's mine. So. Um, it looks better on me anyways. Um, oh, that's, well, that's my favorite kind of whipped cream pie. Um, okay. To protect my, I, for you. Um. And if you all know anyone looking for a children's director position, see me after service. <laughs> and secretary. And secretary. So, so as the band comes back up. Um, you have it uh, even more special yeah. Father's Day, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> Would I like? <laughs> He said no. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I'll um. 
I'll, 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 I'll take it, but, but hear me, we, we, we do all this to say there's a cost that costs us eternity and that costs us well, well worth it. And that this morning, it seems like a lot. I'm going to tell you, it is a lot. And it's impossible if Christ doesn't walk in you and invite you in and you, you believe in who he is and, and you find life in him. It's impossible to accomplish and to do what he's asked. But I'm telling you right now, it's so worth it. Eternity hangs in the balance. The cost is great, but the reward is so much greater. The we get to be an ambassador for Christ. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on. I'm about to take a pie because it costs a lot to Jesus and apparently to be the pastor of this church. <laughs> it's a price I've got to pay. And um, you be obedient. I'm going to ha- have you try to redeem this as much as you can. Uh, um, Take this. You lead us in worship. Jimmy's going to be down here. Austin's going to be down here. If you want to come pray, you need somebody to talk to you, um, and we're here. I'll be back shortly. All for the glory of God, right?